0: Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamara Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh my gosh, I'm almost out of my spray, Tamara.
1: I'm about possible. Ooh, I've got about a quarter left.
0: Wow. If you'd like to get a bottle of our spray, you can go to thenowwantsociety.com forward slash spray and it's free. It's just for you. <laughs> so cool. Uh, I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And
1: I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy.
0: We're hanging out with you. And uh, we have a special guest, Tamar, with us. Yeah, we do. Which I'm really fired up. I'm really fired up about the series that we have curated. For you, our listener, uh, you know we have listeners in Japan and Costa Rica. Um, I, I actually saw somebody Bosnia, like wow. So cool. Yes. So I'm really grateful that you're listening today. If you're new to the show, this is the Now What Society, where we really support women in challenging uh, stages of life, uh, sometimes around recovery, and we're just here. Fired Up because we have a friend, Adam Barfoot with us. Adam, welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So Adam is a mental health therapist. He's also, this is what I love about you, Adam, is that you have this serious side to you and then you have, you're a CrossFit, like Mm -hmm. level one trainer, which is when I think of CrossFit, I know that the CrossFit community is super intense, Mm -hmm. right? Am I right?
2: For the most part, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have
0: uh your work in the brain and the body. So you've integrated these two parts of oneself, and you're here to um help people become high performers. Mm-hmm. Right? And I want to hear more about what you do and just all the good things. So just take a moment and share a little teeny bit on how you got into both the crossfit and the therapy thank you
2: yeah thank you both for having me i've been excited to be a part of this and so the way i got into therapy i took a class on psychology and that was when well i learned during that class that school could actually be interesting and i had never really found something i was very passionate about learning about up until that point and then and that really lit a fire in me about wanting to learn more and more and more. And so to make a long story short, eventually um, I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school to study counseling and become a, a mental health therapist. And I... And It's something I'm really passionate about, helping people perform to their best abilities and thrive in their lives too. And I work in my counseling practice with a lot of athletes. That's my specialty is working with athletes who want to improve their performance and something about it is that when we improve our mental health, it affects our, well, our mental health affects our performance in every area of life. And that is especially true, whether we're on the basketball court, on the football field, in the gym, or at home, or our workplace too. And the way I got into CrossFit, I was in college and saw some of my friends that were Doing CrossFit and they looked great and they looked like they were having a great time too. And so I talked with them about what they were doing and got really into that too. And then when I was home for a break from school, I reached out to the CrossFit gym closest to me and met the owner there. And now he's one of my closest friends. And to make that long story short, he, uh, they asked me to coach there. And so I started to coach there. And now I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I have a counseling practice here. And I coach at a local CrossFit gym here also.
0: I think you're busy.
2: Yes, definitely <laughs> a lot going on.
0: Super busy, and mm-hmm. uh, for our listeners, you can hear a male voice,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So, I one of the things that you know typically we do is we have a lot of females on this show,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when I saw that you were in the CrossFit, like it wasn't like male female. I was just like CrossFit mm-hmm. because for me, CrossFit is about Like when I again, I see somebody that does CrossFit. They're super pumped up. They're defined, and they Mm -hmm. are resilient. They they can move through mountains. I just Mm -hmm. I just I've seen this. There's a personality type, Mm -hmm. and what I've heard from people who really kind of move towards that CrossFit lifestyle is that they like somebody in recovery. They hit that place. They broke themselves, and then they had this awakening
1: Mm -hmm. around. CrossFit. I don't know. What do you think, Tamar? Have you seen that? Have you heard that? Oh, I totally have. And you know, when I actually first started to live alcohol free, I went right into fitness and I hired a personal trainer. I did not do CrossFit because I mean, you guys are pretty hardcore. I I do have a few friends who do that. But my trainer was like, stop doing all the cardio, start lifting heavier, right? And I mean, I, I still had to incorporate cardio in there but like lifting heavy talk about empowering myself you know i i was doing chin ups at one point and i did 10 and i remember oh. there was some guys at the gym watching me and i was like yes mm-hmm. you know it felt good to do that together because i think it really helped my mental health
0: hmm. i think there is a connection between the mental health and the physical fitness 100% mm-hmm. uh, when people do people come to you broken Adam?
2: Well, it, I think they definitely can. And I think that therapy can often, people often seek therapy in a reactive state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this, I mean, often very traumatic thing happened in life and now I need to talk with someone about it. And I work with a lot of people who have experienced trauma and struggle with depression, anxiety, stress, things like that. But, um, I think, ideally, in the mental health world, we would get kind of ahead of the game of that people would seek mental health care before things are at kind of a breaking point. But there's nothing wrong with seeking help when things are going really terribly wrong, in a sense, too.
1: And I think, though, in my experience, a lot of people have to hit that point, though, before they're actually willing to get help. And I notice it, especially in the recovery community, a lot of people work on their fitness, right? At the same time as they're working on their mental health. Mm -hmm. And it it happens to so many of us. I
0: feel a huge difference when I am not being physically active. I I just, my whole body feels like I'm dying. (laughs) Like I just, I totally feel it. Uh, (laughs) So I think there's that, there is that connection. Science lets us know that there is that connection between physical activity and our brain. Uh, I want to jump into this idea around what happens at midlife, because there are so many women and men who hit this place in their midlife where things become hard, uh, jobs change, uh, kids leave finances change, the body starts to change. And that's a lot to process emotionally, you know, mentally, spiritually. So what would you share for somebody who is in that place in their lives right now, that mid- midlife place where they're starting to face reality? Well, mm-hmm. What could
2: help them, Adam? Well, I think one major thing is finding the, uh, finding each person finding their new 100% and 100% effort toward pursuing the things that they are trying to pursue. Because this is actually one thing about CrossFit, but in CrossFit, we talk about what is called relative intensity. And that has a lot to do with this concept of finding our new 100% also, but relative intensity is okay, if I can run, basically the example of running, but if I can run this fast one day, but I didn't sleep well last night or I haven't eaten super well the past few days or whatever it is, I'm going to do as well as I can today. And that's going to change day by day. And that that's what's called relative intensity. But I think that can really be applied to mental health too with finding our our 100% for the day, and giving our best we can every day. Adam, I love this so oh
0: much. <laughs> I like my head just went a new hundred percent. So I started uh doing the class, which mm-hmm. is a really great uh workout. And I tell you, I at first I was all in hundred percent. And then, you know. I don't know. Two weeks into it, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm really tired today. I can't even lift up my left leg." I literally, I was like, "Uh," but if I approach this with, "Well, this is my hundred percent for today," that could mean I'm just laying on the mat. That could mean I just show up and stand there and watch her exercise. (laughs) Right. Right. I love this idea of a hundred percent. It's relative intensity because that means I'm at least participating with the activity, whatever it may be, right. Right. It doesn't even have to be about working out. That could be with my, you know, maybe I'm writing a book. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Maybe that is, uh, maybe it's grocery shopping. I, you know, that's my thing that i least like to do, but at least I'm participating with it instead of letting the refrigerator go completely empty. Relative intensity. I could make the list Mm -hmm. for the grocery person to go pick it up, right? Like, this is like, I'm having a, this is a great concept. Okay, what else can can she do? What else can I do, Adam?
2: Well, I think it's about doing what we can that day too. And of course that's with the one, the today's 100% or the 100% effort that I can give for today. And also I think it's a lot about, doing what we can today rather than comparing or rather than comparing today's 100% to yesterday's 100% just being all in on today and giving our best effort that we can today. And that can come along with a lot of life changes too. Okay, life's different now. What does my 100% look like today?
1: And when you said 100%, like new 100%, I also thought though, because people are capable of so much more than they think. And I think when people, from what I've heard with CrossFit, a Mm. lot of people after a certain amount of time are stunned with what they can actually do. Mm. And when you said the new 100%, I just thought, you know, we kind of go into life thinking, well, that's it, that's all we can do because we've never experienced that next level. And so as soon as you said that, I thought, yeah, well, my new 100% tomorrow could, mm-hmm. sh- could shock me, you know, I could turn I've turned around, you know, over the last 10 years, when I actually take the time to stop, and see how far I've come when it comes to my mental health, when it comes to my fitness level, you know, that's an ongoing thing, obviously. Mm. So I, that's what I thought of when you said that new 100%. I just thought, you know, we can do so much better.
2: Right. And it changes day by day. And we can spend the uh whole time we would be in the gym that day, comparing ourselves to what we have done years ago, or we can say, no, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can today. And that'll be enough for me.
0: Mm. Yeah. This, this comparing, like I am, I like to compare Mm. everything, Mm. you know um, I even compare the future because that's just how my brain operates. And so using this concept of the new 100% and relative intensity. I'm not, I'm going, it's almost, it cuts me off from comparing. Mm -hmm. That is so, uh, this is a mind blowing concept for me. So thank you for sharing that Adam, Um, because I don't want to compare, you know? Uh, I think about when we're out in public and out in, in the world and we're, you know, exercising or we're running and here, let me let me get real here. When I am watching people out there running <laughs> and I go into comparing myself against them because I can't run, uh, it makes me sad that I can't run anymore. But what I can do is I can use this 100 new 100% and I can say, well, I can do my little movement on my mat with the class. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's almost, I have to, it's like reframing, you know, like that negative bias that I have automatically that like Mm self-talk and as somebody in recovery, I have to constantly be reframing that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Otherwise I just go into a spiral of like, uh, doom and gloom and nothing's ever going to get done. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to age out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, It's not so great. Uh, one thing that I really want to kind of get into is this idea around being more resilient.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as we age and as you know time progresses, our bodies change, our minds change, but there's something about being resilient. Mm-hmm. So first let's start off with defining that for mm-hmm. our listener. I think that might be helpful because I think a lot of us have this idea of what resilient means or looks like, but I would love to have your expertise, your professional words.
2: So a lot of people, when they think of resilience, they think of the phrase bouncing back. Mm -hmm. And really that implies that, okay, say we're at one level and then something happens, we drop down a bit and then return ideally to that exact same level of functioning that we were at beforehand. And so that's what bouncing back means. And that's what a lot of people think of when they think of resilience. But I really like to think of defining resilience as the skill and character traits of incorporating difficult experiences into the person we are now. Because as life changes and as our bodies change and as things happen in life, that the fact is that we don't return to being the exact same person we were before those events after the fact. But what we can do is become stronger, better, wiser, directly because of those things, rather than only hoping to become better in spite of those things.
1: So I have a question in terms of resiliency, because you work with athletes. In your experience, do you find that athletes who have been through a lot in their lives, right, maybe they've dealt with mental health or challenges or trauma, that because they've overcome a lot of this stuff, they have more resilience, and they're able to cope better when it comes to competing and stuff like that?
2: I think ideally, yes. But I think that resilience is something that can always be trained and just as it's the new 100% effort for that day or today's 100% it I think resilience has a lot to do with who we are in this present moment too and so ideally yes someone would have a bunch of resilience if they've been through a lot of things but something I've found is that we don't automatically become resilient But it is something that can be learned and trained and, and deeply studied too. It's a skill. Yeah, exactly. Adam, it is a skill.
0: I I think this is where people forget that we can learn like new tricks. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's mindset. Like we get into that groove of this is how it's going to be. And this is how it's going to be forever. And this is one of the things that I talk about with mindfulness, like mindfulness and meditation, they're skills that you learn and you practice and you practice and you practice. And that's what I'm hearing from you about becoming more resilient is that it is something that you, you're not going to get in like one day. Right. Am I, am I right? Like you just can't be like, okay, I'm resilient now. Boom. Here I am.
2: <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And it's something that has to be practiced too, just like any skill. So how do we practice? How, like, what can
0: we share with our listener today on how to build this skill of resilience?
2: I think one big thing is the, really having the practice of reflection Mm -hmm. and after these things happen. And I mean, while we're, while we're going through difficult experiences in life, it's really important of course, to make the best decisions we can and get the support we need and all of that. And after the fact, really sitting down and reflecting on what happened, how did I handle it? What might I do better if this situation were to arise again, but also what can I learn from this situation? So the power of reflection goes a long way.
0: <laughs> do you find that in today's time, today's life, today's world that people actually sit down and reflect?
2: Come on, I, be honest now. <laughs> I think Not as often as I'd like people to.
0: <laughs> right. For somebody in a uh, 12 step Program Like this is a, this is a skill that we learn to do. And that's like mandatory almost that we reflect. Mm-hmm. And what I have discovered over the many, many years is that we, for, like people just don't do it. They just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why people pick up and drink again, mm-hmm. or one of the reasons why people act out or become angry and indignant and get stuck in those really dark places Tamar what do you think?
1: yeah for sure and I was when I thought of reflection in terms of resiliency is that I think a lot of women also don't give themselves credit right they think they can't you know overcome certain things in their lives but if they actually took a moment and looked at everything they've overcame so far that could give them that spark they need to go okay I can practice this. Like, this is something that I can, I can do, right. I can be resilient. I mean,
0: reflecting is literally sitting down. It could be five minutes, I think. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, Adam, do you have a, like a prescription, like, okay, go home and reflect for 20 minutes and write on this? Or do you just say, you know, light a candle or just sit by a tree and reflect? What, what do you, (laughs) what's your kind of method?
2: It really depends on the person. If, Mm. if, someone has more time than they could spend 15 or 20 minutes once a day doing it but if someone does not have that much time let's let's try to take a five minute walk once a day or once every other day and consider and and consider these things and tomorrow like you were saying too that reflecting and building resilience can also come a lot from noticing Okay, even if this is a brand new concept, thinking about where have we been resilient in our lives up to this point? Yeah. And mm-hmm. therefore reflecting or therefore pra- practicing reflection there too.
1: Mm-hmm. Because we all have a story. Right. Right. We've all had things that we've been through in our lives. So, yeah, I love it. And I love how you also, you know, in the work that you do, you explore people's thoughts and emotions right because like our thinking can get us into a lot of trouble and i hear it with people the way they talk right i can't do that it's very negative in our society and if we only change the way we we spoke about ourselves and about others maybe we could develop some more resiliency right
0: (laughs) yeah that negative self-talk it's just growing it seems like
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: so we really do need to practice this resilience. We really do need to teach the skill set of resiliency and reflection as a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can someone do to pump up the juice on this?
2: I think, well, with what you both were just talking about about self-talk, I think that can be really helpful too. Noticing what the messages are that we're telling ourselves, and that relates a lot to reflection and resilience as well. But also, once we notice these messages that we are telling ourselves, also considering, okay, if my if my closest family member or a close friend were sitting here, would I be saying these things to them that I'm actually telling myself, and then adjusting as needed as much as we can from that.
0: Amen. Adam, Tamar, how many times have you heard yourself thinking, right? Something Mm -hmm. that's not so great. And you're like, my best friend wouldn't even say that. Like, no, it's really incredible now.
1: I think now that I'm more Mm self-aware, I have this, like, I I still make tons of mistakes, Mm -hmm. but I'm very aware that I'm doing it. It's like, oh, why did I say that? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I know, or I should. Those were two, two words that you know, a mentor of mine was like, don't say that anymore. Yeah, (laughs) But you you hear, you know, kids, teens. I know. I know. It's like, do you?
0: No, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, to be honest, to be honest with you. I'm like, don't say that. Just be honest. You don't have to say to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The self-talk is, um, it's hard to regulate. Yeah. You know, Again, that just goes back to living, you know, mindfully, living, being, you know, what I preach everybody, you know, when you hear it from me every day, it's like just being more mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the idea around resiliency is, is that we can kind of, um, this word, this concept, the skill, we can push it out to all areas of our lives, Mm -hmm. right? So we can... Kind of can seep out into our family. It can seep out into when we're driving in traffic and there's just like mayhem on the four hundred and five. We can, we can, we can use resiliency in really moments of crisis.
2: I think, and self talk can help propel us forward if we talk to ourselves in helpful and beneficial ways or positive or it can really hold us back from actually becoming more resilient and learning from difficult experiences that we've had in life.
1: Yes.
0: So how can we set ourselves up, Adam, to encourage the warm, yummy self-talk? The the yay,
2: go team. (laughs) Like how can we set ourselves up to win? Hmm. I think part of it can be noticing what messages that we receive from others that do help us feel that way. And then thinking about how can we incorporate telling ourselves those messages or building ourselves up in those ways throughout our days. And really, I mean, we're, we're talking about self-awareness and noticing these different things and mindfulness, too, and being self-aware of, okay, when someone interacts with me in this way, how does that make me feel? And noticing those when we feel more pleasant after certain interactions, noticing what we can take away from those interactions and how we can kind of adjust our self-talk to help ourselves keep moving forward in in great directions instead of our self-talk being somewhat of a wall holding us back.
1: And one of the other things I wanted to add was the emotional component of resiliency because I grew up in a you know kind of suck it up buttercup Hmm. world and I didn't want to show emotions. It took me a long time to be okay showing my emotions but when it comes to building resiliency, I mean, if we suppress those emotions, eventually we're going to snap.
2: Right. So
1: being able to express and identify the emotions you're feeling, that can also help build resiliency, correct?
2: Absolutely. Because if we don't deal with our emotions, they're going to deal with us. <laughs> and so resilience and being strong and wise and competent and capable those things are not opposites of feeling fully and when we i think it's a really a journey of learning to incorporate how we feel how we think and how we act and and so feeling big emotions are not the opposite of becoming resilient so that that's a really important thing about resilience too
0: Resilience and mindfulness—it's like hand in hand,
2: right? It's really
0: intent, you know, like that intentional living. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's a mind shift
2: mm-hmm.
0: that I guess we're encouraging our listeners to consider, mm-hmm. to, you know, just maybe try it on for the day, you know, listen without judgment, have a big open heart for yourself. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners today? You've been such a like a a big big treasure trove here of oh, insight. You gave me this one new one hundred percent. I'm just like this is this is all I need. I got it now. Is there anything else you want to share?
2: So one thing, um, it's actually I have the book here, but it's yeah. a book called Resilience. It's actually mm. I read a lot, but this is probably my favorite book. So it's Resilience by Eric Greitens and he has a quote in it that, and well, this is a book that I'd recommend to just about everybody to read. And, um, but something he says in the book is that, And this is a, this is about resilience, but he says, what happens to us becomes a part of us. Resilient people do not bounce back from difficult experiences. They find healthy ways to integrate them into their Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. In time, people find that great calamity met with great spirit can create great strength.
0: Yes. That's great. So we will add that book to our show notes. So you can find that and take a, a read or a listen, however you like to consume your books. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for sharing your insight on this very important topic and being on the show with us today. Thanks so much. Tomorrow. Yeah,
2: yeah, thank you for having me.
1: So much fun. And yeah, thank you, Adam, for being here. It's Just resiliency, people, people need it. <laughs>
0: We do oh, so good. All right, everyone take good care until next time tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out. It's been fun lane. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of laughing without liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts that helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast and we're glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode until then. Take care.